Hey, it's Ryan Doyle from TDR's Guaranteed Money. Do not place an NFL wager on the upcoming season without watching and listening to this podcast. We talk to an NFL handicapper who's been doing it for decades. We get the tricks and secrets of the trade, and we'll give you some divisional round winners when it comes to the NFC and the Super Bowl winner, all as Guaranteed Money gets rolling. And welcome to Guaranteed Money here on TDR. Man, it is good to be talking about some football. Let me tell you, all views in the Guaranteed Money podcast and the guests on this podcast are purely opinion, and you should not treat any opinions expressed by us or our guests as investment or wagering advice. And the views in this podcast are solely intended to be informational and are not gambling or investment advice. With that said, Harley Redlick rejoins the program. Of course, he has been a profitable sports better for almost 20 years. He's lectured on gambling law at Osgood Hall. He's spoken at a number of gaming conferences on sports betting. He's been an expert guest for this show, as well as the Parlay, TSN, The Edge, and the Fan 590 in Toronto. You can follow his picks and his takes on Twitter at Sharp Edge Picks. Harley, my friend, it is good to have you. It's good to be not talking baseball. Good to, good to be on, Ryan. Uh, as much as I like baseball and as much as I like the weather, there's nothing like the NFL when it comes to gambling, and I'm looking forward to this season. Now, what I like to tell people off the top of the show is this is about giving you an education. This is not just, you know, not just throwing out picks with uh, no background behind it. We want to teach people. I want to educate people. I want people to know what it takes from from a handicapping point of view to be able to do this on your own. I kind of compare it to going in the back of the kitchen and watching how the chef makes the meal. It's not just getting the recipe. It's actually looking at the finesse, the touch, how to make that meal and replicate it again and again and again. It's a lot like handicapping. So when it comes to the NFL, when it comes to football, when you're looking at, let's say, week one, when you're looking at an NFL slate, what's the first thing you do as a I look to fade the public. I'm not a fantasy guy. I couldn't name you even the starting running backs of every team. Listen, if you know something special in the marketplace nobody else knows, like two starting offensive linemen are hobbling around, amazing. But the market is the market. The sports books see what you see. So, for example, the Kansas City Chiefs last year, they went 8-9 and nine against the spread. They won 12 games, but because Mahomes is such a big player, the line is inflated. My son idolizes Mahomes and knows he's awesome. Newsflash, so do the sports books. So what you end up doing to make money is fade the public, fade the big name teams. The uglier the team, the worse they look, the worse their quarterback looks, the less stars they have the more value there tends to be on that team. So what am I looking for then when I'm fading the public? What is the first thing you would look for? I mean, you talk about the the big names and the fact that there's an inflated line with a big name like Mahomes, especially if he's playing at home at Arrowhead makes a lot of sense. But what am I looking for if I'm a, if I'm a newbie, if I'm a newbie to sports handicapping and I don't know, where do I begin to look to fade the public? So you start by betting underdogs. So for example, against the spread last year, underdogs cover 52.6% of the time and the favorites conversely only 47.4% of the time. If you're blindly betting underdogs just to start in the NFL, you're not quite covering big long-term, although you were last year, but it's a nice place to start. On top of that, almost see who your friends like. If everybody's wearing jerseys of players and teams Whoever was extra good last year, I mean, I love Josh Allen. And I think he is a stud of stud quarterbacks. But we all know he's a stud of stud quarterbacks. So if everybody thinks Josh Allen's amazing and everybody's making fun of Tua in Miami or the Jets, I mean, I don't, is Wilson even starting for the Jets? I know he's hobbled. If everybody's all over the Bills, 
Go against the Bills. It's almost like the uglier and stinkier hold your nose who passes the sniff test and take the team that doesn't pass it. So when you're looking at the preseason and when you're looking at months like, let's say, July and August, are you creating your own power rankings going into a season or do you wait until everything starts? Because I know that there are a number of different theories and a number of different philosophies. And again, that's what this show is about, talking about education, talking about different ways uh, to handle it, because I'm a power rankings guy. I like to sit there and I do this in college football as well. Before I ever look at a spread, I've got my own power rankings so that I've got something to weigh against what the bookmakers think is true. I'm not a big fan of the power rankings. Rankings, I think it's really, really, really hard to beat the market in terms of efficiency or to figure out your take is going to be better than everybody else's take. What I tend to try to do is figure out where the public is going, where the quote unquote casual betters are going and go against them. Remember, even the quote unquote meaningless points in the NFL, like one, two, four, five, They still come in 2% of the time. So if you're getting one extra point on the NFL point spread, which I think you can get long term by just betting the ugly, ugly teams, you're in a better position than 90 to 99% of betters. So you're against power rankings. Why? Just because it is is so hard to try to gauge against the sports Exactly right. So listen, if you told me you were moving to Ohio and all you were going to do for the rest of your life was analyze the MAC teams in college football or college basketball, God bless you. And I think you could outsmart everybody. But I mean, there's... The the market is so efficient in the NFL. There's so many people doing these power rankings that unless you figured out something nobody else has figured out, maybe the left side of the offensive line of a few teams are hobbled or something like that, it's really, really hard to get an edge. So you end up being better off, in my opinion, for example, betting unders in the NFL. So last year, everybody likes betting the overs because they like cheering for points. Unders came in 53.4% last year in the NFL. Now, it's not necessarily going to happen like this this year or every year, but had you bet every under last year in the NFL blindly, you would have made a profit net of VIG. That's pretty damn good, and it's simply because overs are inflated by between a half point and a point because if you ever hear somebody cheering and you're like, oh, are you on that team? Their answer is like, no, I'm on the over. Nobody in a sports book is watching football for three hours hoping they won the ball into the line of scrimmage 30 seconds gets taken off the clock and they get three yards. That's not what casual betters bet. They inflate it by just enough that you pretty much could get big covered the other way. Let's let's talk about when to bet, because I think that's just as important, because I know that there are a ton of people probably watching this right now. And by the way, we're going to have some picks. I've got some divisional uh, future bets. I know Harley's got something on the Super Bowl and a, a preseason game for you. So we're going to have those later in the show. But let's talk about uh, when to bet. I know there are a ton of people that wait till Sunday morning or Saturday night. Uh, they kind of get caught up in things. And, you know, the week has passed by. The number has changed nine different ways from Sunday. Uh I'm an early better. I like betting earlier in the week. I understand the logic behind it. You're probably going to get a better number earlier in the week, barring an injury or whatnot later on down the stretch. How do you see that? What's your philosophy? My philosophy is ideally you bet one minute before kickoff. So you're betting the ugly teams. You're betting the wow, unders. Okay. Generally speaking, if the overs get pounded, you get an extra half a point or a point. 
Same way if Mahomes gets pounded, you get the extra half a point or a point fading Mahomes. And if you don't and the market goes the other way, you just pass. My general philosophy is bet underdogs or pass, bet unders or pass. So you write down the line early in the week in the four or five games that you like that you think you can fade the public on. If the bets continue going, quote unquote, your way. So if you were planning to fade Mahomes and bet the ugly Jaguars plus 11 and a half and the line goes up to 12 and a half or 13, great. Bet the Jags and you got the extra point, point and a half. If there was sharp money or something happened and for whatever reason the line moved against you, just pass. Don't still bet it. All right. Two important things, because I want to underscore these things, because, you know, I we don't have the same philosophy all the time. But if you are betting an underdog, you wait till the last minute because you're going to get the better number more times than you're not. Let me just underscore that and, and maybe even, you know, go back on that point, because I think that's a very important thing that people miss, that you're going to get the better number on the dog a lot of the time. I don't want to put a percentage on it, but a lot of the time on Sunday, right before the kick, because that public money that hasn't done all their research, but knows the names and understands that they like this favorite a lot. They're going to dump money on team that you're on the other side of. Correct. I think you summarized that great. So the plumbers and the dentists who only start focusing on the NFL on Sunday morning after they pick up their kids from hockey practice and they'll jump on their phones at around noon and they'll see Mahomes is playing the Jaguars and they'll just put a few bucks on it. And again, if the line moves favorably, I'm happy to bet against them with the underdog. I don't know what the percentage is exactly, but you're right. I would bet it's over 60% from opening lines to closing lines moving where the favor goes up in value, not down. So generally speaking, you're better off betting the underdogs at two minutes before kickoff. And again, you got to be a disciplined better. So if for whatever reason, the action is on the underdog against Mahomes, just pass. Well, that's the second point. I know uh, we get to the third point about the unders. I mean, listen, the unders, it's the same narrative, right? I mean, it, the popularity of the over, you've out- outlined it, you've underscored it. It's going you're going to get a better number on that total if you like the under before the game starts. You, you know, don't do it early in the week. Do it late in the week. Do it as, as close to kickoff as you can. That makes a lot of sense. But let me pick up on the pass point, because this is something that. You know, you say it and you said it well, it requires discipline and we all know betters. We all know professional handicappers that can't stay away from the action. What do you tell people when it comes to passing up on a, you know, on the whole slate of one o'clock games? You know, it's a hard thing for people to remain disciplined to do. So for starters, if you're a professional handicapper that doesn't have the discipline to pass, then you're not a professional handicapper. You're a fraud. You're going bust. It's not working for you. It's not happening. I can't even comprehend a thought like that, that you could use the word professional handicapper and no discipline. You're bust, you're done, you're a hack. Forget about that stuff. Maybe you're a tout on TV. Maybe you're a fake or a wannabe. For casual bettors or listeners, you got to decide kind of what you want out of your NFL or your betting experience. If your answer is you want to watch a couple games at one o'clock and you want to watch a couple games at four o'clock and you want to watch the eight o'clock game and the Monday night game, and you want to have action on it, God bless you. But you're not going to be a winning better. And that's okay. The truth is 99% of betters are not going to be bet winning betters anyways. If you want to enjoy the games, 
bet low numbers, five bucks, 10 bucks, whatever you're comfortable with. Don't bet a fortune because long-term you're going to lose. Ideally, find a buddy and bet against him and bet a beer and watch the game and the loser pays for the beers and everybody has a good time and gamble responsibly and well within your means. If you're a real better, you better have bankroll discipline. You better be able to say pass and say pass a lot of times. And don't worry. If the Jaguars went drop from 11 and a half to 10 and a half, and then you're happy because they're losing by 14 and then they backdoor cover and you would have won, who cares? The number wasn't there. The number wasn't there. If you want to take this seriously, have discipline, pass, move on. You don't need to have action going because it's Sunday night or Monday night or whatever it is. All right, you, you, you got me right to my next point. I like this because you're, you're leading me to water and I'm going to lap it up. Um, let's talk about bankroll management because that's something that not everybody understands. They don't quite get it. They don't know what it means. I think there are a lot of people that are like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, I've got $5,000 and I'm going to blow through $5,000 and I'm going to put it on every game and I'm going to figure it out. And if I'm behind, I'm going to chase and, you know, I'm going to try to make money any way I can. That's not good discipline. That's not bankroll management. Can you take everybody through what your bankroll management looks like? You don't have to give me numbers, obviously, but hypothetically. Okay, so for starters, again, I want to separate this between kind of pros and casual bettors. If you're a pro, you you would long term yeah. not be betting more than 3% of your bankroll on any single bet. And I mean, there's some variations. So call it in a 1% to 5% of your bankroll range depending on how much you like the bet, what the bet pays odds wise. I mean, you're not, if you're putting 5% of your bankroll on like a 20 to one shot to win the Super Bowl, you're not a pro. So there's the variation there. You got to stay disciplined. You got to stay within your means. Um, the bankroll should be separate from kind of living expenses, which you should have six months of reserve somewhere else. There's separate pools of money that you're drawing from and your bankroll is sacred because at the end of the day, you need the capital to grow your capital to both live and bet, et cetera, et cetera. If you're a casual better, the numbers can increase, but I would still use a percentage. So if you want to dedicate $500 to the NFL season, cool. You still should never bet more than 10% of your bankroll on a game. You definitely shouldn't make seven different bets for 50 bucks or 60 bucks because they could all lose in week one and you're going to be done for the season. So try to stay disciplined just because you've lost eight out of nine bets doesn't mean you're due. There's no gambling gods. The Chiefs and the Jaguars don't have the faintest what? clue. What? <laughs> There's the, the Chiefs and Jaguars don't have the faintest clue who Phil from Philadelphia bet or whether or not he's lost seven in a row. So they'd have no clue he's due. So he's not covering the next game necessarily. So if you find yourself in a situation where your $500 bankroll is down to 250 bucks two weeks through the year, don't go double or nothing on the Monday night game because you're due. And if you do do it and you lose, you're done. And if you win, you should just cash out and be done because it, it, you're going to run out of money well before the NFL season if that's how you're going to treat the bankroll. See, this is information. This is education. This is exactly what I want on this show because there are a lot of people that don't know that. They don't think about it. They don't think about the discipline part of this. There are people that do this successfully for a living. 
But those aren't like those aren't the masses. We're not talking about, you know, everybody who decides to wager on a Sunday is going to be a winner and is going to be a professional handicapper. That's not how it works. And discipline is the gas that goes in the engine. It goes in the car. That's what fuels this whole thing. And if you don't have it, you need to figure out what kind of better art you are and, and what kind of lane you're driving in. Let's talk about parlays for a second. I've done a whole lot of videos. You can check them out on TDR uh, about what a parlay is and breaking that down. Do you avoid parlays? Because I know a lot of pros would say, ah, just don't touch them. It's there's, it's a fool's game. It's a mug. I don't touch parlays unless they're correlated. So my definition of a correlated parlay, like everybody's definition should be, when the results of one bet help influence the results of the other bet. Now, these are not the same as the same game parlays. This is where you're getting the standard minus 110 VIG, but you can bet correlated parlays because the books let you do it. So my favorite one is betting an underdog against the spread and the under in the same game. So you see how they work together. Close games don't tend to be 42-38 games in the NFL. They're more likely to be 21-17 type games. Extreme example, if the spread in an NFL game, maybe, again, the Chiefs are hosting the Jaguars, is 15 points. And only 14 points score in the whole game, you automatically cover both the under and betting the dog. So if you can get correlated parlays like this, or if the casual bettors want to bet overs and favorites minus the points, go for it. It works well together. Otherwise, don't bet parlays. Definitely don't bet parlays on other games or unconnected games. Let's let's go, let's keep in the world of exotic uh, betting and talk about teasers, because I do know a lot of pros that do like teasers when the numbers are correct. And I think this is an important lesson. Again, you know, play this back. Listen to it a couple of times. Uh, I, I know where you're going to go with this, Harley, but I, I think we have to have the conversation about betting teasers and why some people bet teasers effectively through those important numbers. Yeah. So I'm just going to my shelf right now. Where the hell's the book? Uh, oh, here. Yeah. This is, so, this is why I like this. He's, I like to he's give got a the information when, right at the like bookshelf, folks. Out. I like this. I like to give a shout out when the guy is the first to actually record something. I had this idea in my mind before that. But this is Stanford Wong's Sharp Sports Betting book. And if you Google the phrase Wong teaser, he's the first guy to officialize this. I, I mean, me and a lot of smart bettors had this in my mind. Not every point in the NFL is treated the same. Obviously, there's a lot more games that land on three and seven that land on like five or two. So the Wong teaser is defined as any teaser that gets both the three and the seven in it and is only six points. And those tend to be profitable teasers to bet. The best ones are if you can get underdogs like one and a half point dogs or two and a half point dogs and you can get plus seven and a half or plus eight and a half. Those are what's deemed to be the best Wong teasers And the books are starting to adjust and often don't even let you do that. They manipulate the line on the game and the money line because they know that's great. Um, A lot of bettors out there, more casual bettors, love betting favorites of seven and a half or eight and a half points, teasing them down to one and a half or two and a half because they figure they're automatically going to win their locks. Uh, Let's take a look at examples. This see here's where you're going to see it this year. Uh, okay, so for example, this the betters are going to love this teaser. The Indianapolis Colts are at the Houston Texans. The Texans are probably the worst team in the league. The Colts were above 500 last year. They added Matty Ice Ryan. 
They're an eight-point favorite in Houston, and teasing that down to one and a half or two and a half, you figure they're for sure going to beat the Texans. That would be kind of a wheelhouse bet that a lot of casual bettors would like. See, I love that. Now, let me take you to a different part of this because there is a difference and people might be hearing this and thinking, oh, teasers are like buying points. No, they're a completely different bet. They're a completely separate bet. Let's talk about buying points because it's become it's become a bit of a thing over the last little while. I don't like doing it. I have friends who do it that have high bankrolls and they say, well, what the hell? I'm just paying a little extra juice for insurance. What would you say to that friend? It's horrible. They... <laughs> They don't know how much the points are worth. They're just buying extra points so they win more often. But when you're laying minus 140 instead of minus 110, you got to win like 58% of the time versus 53% of the time. It's the math doesn't work. It doesn't work because the guy who's laying the extra points is insane to you. No, I'm laying the extra points because the number five and six come in four and a half percent of the time and I'm only having to lay three and a half percent of juice so I'm getting a one percent edge the guy's like what what I'm, I'm just gonna win more it's not worth it it's you know what it's like it's like bundling it, it's like getting insurance for your tv remember they used to sell that it used to be how Best Buy and Circuit City made all their money <laughs> even if the guy is paying 50 bucks for yeah. insurance for his tv he's still a fish because it just doesn't make any sense and it's stupid and it doesn't work that's what buying these extra points is long term now i'm a, a future guy let's get into some of the the picks because we, we're gonna have to have you back because we haven't even scratched the surface on things like line shopping and the importance of tracking your bets and we'll we'll have you back to come on and talk about those things because i think they're important and they're things that we want to obviously uh cover off as we go forward towards the nfl season do you want to go first with your picks and i'll get into my futures at the tail end Sure. I got one value bet for the Super Bowl. The NFL is a quarterback league. There's a ton of division play. Season long, you find a strong quarterback in a weak division and you ride them. It's why the Packers and the Bucks and the Bills have had success. You know their quarterbacks and you can't name the other quarterbacks in divisions in their divisions, but they're the faves. There's one team that stands out to me, and that's the Indianapolis Colts. They got Matty Ice Ryan, who... I think he's won an MVP. He's taken the team to the Super Bowl. They should have won that Super Bowl. That was that 28-3 debauchery. He's playing in a division with Tannehill, who's not good, and the Colts and the and the Jags and the Texans, who are just bad teams. He's by far the best quarterback in the division. His team was good even without him, and they upgraded quarterbacks. And you're getting better than 20 to 1 on them. I like the Colts. I think they're in a good spot, and I think they're a value bet to win the Super Bowl. And you've got one bet for uh, for people watching for a preseason game? Yeah, I like the Texans tomorrow night. You can get them plus 160 odds, which means you need to win 40% of the time to turn a profit. It's the preseason. I know the Texans stink. They're at home. They're gonna they can upset the 49ers. It's just a good spot. I like home teams. They try harder in quote-unquote meaningless preseason games. I like ugly teams in the preseason because their starters are bad. There's more to play for. The Niners have nothing to prove. The Texans, a win is a win. Plus 160 to me is a big price in that spot, and I like the Texans tomorrow night at home. 
All right, two great picks there. You get the Colts in the Super Bowl at, at very good odds, very good value there in the Houston Texans uh, in preseason week three against the San Francisco 49ers. I'm going to run through these very quickly. Uh, you can tell me if I'm crazy. Just, you know, you feel free to jump in. You and I have got a good back and forth going on. Uh, I'm going to take a look at three NFC division winners. I love future betting. It's kind of where I've cut my teeth for a lot of the time. I start in the NFC South. I don't think it's as much of a slam dunk as people are making it out to be. I think Tom Brady's got a real crisis on his hands when it comes to that offensive line. Uh, he's got a rookie as a guard. He's got a, another uh, guard who just went down with injury. He's got a, I think he's on his third center now in training camp. Uh, I think the Atlanta Falcons might join the Houston Texans as one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, the Panthers, I think, are just figuring things out when it comes to Baker Mayfield as quarterback. I love the New Orleans Saints at this spot to win the NFC South outright at plus 300. I think there's solid value there, especially, and again, you know, I'm not banking or praying for anybody to get injured, but you know, it's going to be a rough season for Tom Brady, who's already had a rough start to training camp, having to take some time off. I think the Saints are in a very good position here to take the NFC South. Uh, Yeah, I don't mind that, but I mean, you're betting who I would say is clearly the second best team in the division. And you got a 45-year-old who's an overwhelming favorite. And if he takes a half step down, (laughs) New Orleans wins a couple breaks at three to one. I don't mind that pick. All right, let me go to the NFC, uh, the NFC West. I think there's a major drop off when it comes to the the talent and teams vying for this division title. This is going to feel super chalky. Uh, you know, the Niners. I have nothing against them. They got a great defense. D'Amico Ryan is a great defensive coordinator. I think that's going to remain solid. The offense has a ton of weapons out there. I just don't love the fact that the, the the fate of this team squarely rests on the shoulders of Trey Lance. This is a boomer bust team with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I think Seattle's in pure rebuild mode. The Arizona Cardinals, you've got this weird struggle between their, their newly paid quarterback, Kyler Murray. I hate quarterbacks who just got massive paychecks. Uh, and Cliff Kingsbury, their coach, who's now letting Kyler call plays in, in quarters. I just think the whole thing is an absolute fucking nightmare in Arizona. Uh, I like the Rams. You can still get them at plus 110. You know, it might be chalky but listen they've they've filled the holes that were created by free agency they return a very talented team to the the field they've got a buttoned up head coach i like the rams at plus 110 yeah that bet i don't like as much uh again you got probably i think the cardinals and niners are both even if you put them at each 25 percent to win the division and you throw in the seahawks at five percent your 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 math is a little tight with the favorite I, i i like the coach I like the team. They're coming off that Super Bowl high. You, you know the numbers. It's usually hard to come back. So I, that one would have been a pass to me. All right. Fair. I like this because I like the pushback. This is what this show is all about. I love it. Uh, and let's finish with the NFC North. You might think I'm crazy, although the public is kind of caught up with this team. Uh, you know, I was reading this stat the other day. You know, the Bears are the only current NFL franchise that's never had a QB throw for 4,000 yards or had 30 plus TDs. He, he, they're the only NFL franchise. If I told you to name a Chicago Bears quarterback, Jim McMahon comes to mind, and that's with sunglasses. And I mean, that team was famous for their defense. They haven't had a quarterback in, I don't know, at least 50 years. Like, I've never seen them have a quarterback who is even decently good. Yeah, and I don't think Justin Fields is that guy either. Yeah. I don't think he's going to eclipse that mark in any way, shape, or form. So I pass on the Bears. I look at the Vikings. They've got a very good offense. Too much of it, to me, centers around guys like Kirk Cousin. I cannot I cannot in good faith put money behind Dalvin Cook and whether or not he's going to stay healthy for an entire season. Uh, when it comes to the Packers, I just don't see any value there. Minus 185. 185. 
I probably have too much of a hang up against Aaron Rodgers. I think the guy's a head case. Uh, he's got a young receiving core who he's come out in the media and basically said he doesn't trust them. I think that team is a, a mess without Devontae Adams. And the idea that he walked away tells me a lot about what he thought of that team. I like the Detroit Lions. I thought the Detroit Lions were one of the unluckiest teams when it came to close games and injuries last season. They're plus 900. They've still got a solid quarterback. They've got some experience. I think the value there is just too hard to resist. And when you look at their when you look at their schedule, Jets, Giants, Panthers, Jaguars, Commanders, uh, they get home games against the, the Seahawks and the Dolphins. I think there's 10 games on the table that the Lions could win here or at least remain competitive in. So at plus 900, I'm going to take my chances and take the Detroit Lions to win the NFC North. I I like that bet. I think that Jared Goff is clearly better than two of the quarterbacks in the division. So again, you got a situation where you got an older Rodgers and a couple of breaks at nine to one. I think that's a good price and that's a good value bet. Harley Reddick, as I as I mentioned off the top and, and through the middle of this show, we're going to have to have you back on the show to talk a little bit as the season goes through because we'd love to have your insights on it and we'd love to see where your head's at as we go through the NFL season. A profitable sports better for almost 20 years. You can follow his picks and takes on Twitter at Sharp Edge Picks. Thanks for joining the show. Thanks a lot, man. Have a good one. Hey, thanks for watching. This is the part where we put you to work just a little bit. So like, subscribe, and of course, tap the bell to get alerts for when new content comes out. Leave a comment if you can. And if you really liked what you saw, share it on social media, won't you?